everybody, and welcome to the HRO Growth Show, where we believe that PEOs and HROs are the best kept secret of small business success, that there's plenty of opportunity for all of them and every reason to grow. I'm your host, Ryan McInerney, and with me today is Brandon Laws. How are you today, Brandon? Hey, Ryan, I'm great. How are you? I'm feeling much better. Tell you what, the cold viruses and the bug viruses that go out around there have been just killing us, but I finally feel myself again. How about you? Same deal with me. I got hit bad with the stomach bug last week and I am finally recovered, but that was a brutal 48 hours. Tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. Half the people listening right now can all relate. It's just been one heck of a season. And it reminds us of our humanity that uh, all of us are just people. And as much as we like to believe that we can do it all and that we never need to stop, our bodies remind us from time to time that we are just people. And I think that's probably a good segue for today's episode because oftentimes as organizations, we can become fairly robotic in the way that we try to sell and the way we try to market. It's good to want predictability. Predictability makes the world go round. But but there's also this understanding that if we lose sight of the humanity inside of what we do, if we forget that all organizations are just groups of people trying to find other groups of people at other organizations to serve and help. That's what commerce is. That's what our, our current economy is based on. And so today we're going to really dive into that. And I know that you, Brandon, you've got tons of thoughts on this. And I can't wait to hear exactly why you believe we need to humanize marketing within HRO space given it is the human resources space, but some of the ways that we can make sure we do that. So I would love for you just to tell us why exactly are you so passionate about the subject of humanizing the HR marketing? What What's the catalyst for that? What's behind all that? Well, I think when you look at the industry as a whole, I think it's very transactional in nature. I mean, there's a lot of companies out there that maybe they focus more on in the PEO space, uh, payroll processing, administration, those sort of things. And I, I get that. But it is transactional. It's hard to separate the business, you know, competitor to competitor. And, and I think what people are missing is bringing the human out so that you can differentiate yourself because we all believe something a little different. Like our organization's We probably have a purpose. We probably have a set of values that we live by. And if we don't bring that through, it's really hard for people on the outside to want to become part of that tribe, as you know, Seth Godin would say in his books, Tribes. And I think that's why we need a human, we need to humanize the brand is because we're missing that. Where it's too transactional right now. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree that it seems like uh, marketing within human resources. It comes a lot from the backgrounds of some of the folks that are moved into this industry. A lot of people that are in PEO and HRO, they're coming from industries like insurance and finance, where the relationship is really contractual. It's based on cost savings, and it's a known and understood service that everybody already kind of readily accepts that they need. And They just need to find a good enough solution at a good enough price and get the contract signed. And when renewal comes up, I just want to make sure I hear from you again. And when that's kind of the base that you come from, you don't really have to, you know, work as hard, I guess you could say, or maybe people just don't work as hard in that environment. But within human resources, especially within PEO, uh, you have two organizations that are kind of marrying up. And so matchmaking is really very, very key there. And that's when you've got to be very clear on who you are and very clear on who you're a good match for. And the only way you're going to figure that out is not on cost. 
or goods and services, it's going to come down to compatibility. And that requires you to really bring out the personality, your character, and your culture. So I definitely have seen that as a a major problem. And uh, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And I love this concept of marketing from the inside out. So the way I like to look at that is if you define your set of values, your purpose for your organization, like where are you going? What do you believe in? And then it really informs the people that you bring in. Because if you're going to attract talent and you're going to retain talent, it's likely if you're really clear about where you're going as a company, what you believe in and what you're going to do for the community and your clients and for each other, then you're likely going to keep those people and attract the people that see the way the world the way you do. And I think if you start there, it informs how you behave externally. So then now when customers are looking at you, they're like, oh my gosh, they have some humanity or they see the world the way I do. I align with them versus if you're just a brand and there's no personality behind it, no humanness as a customer, how do you align with that? And that's, that's where I come from on the humanness. I think that most organizations are just totally missing that. Well, so I want to make sure we make the business case around what you're saying, because I believe it's understood to me. So a lot of folks, when they listen to the concept of marketing, they see it as soft skills. They see it as, you know, not entirely necessary and they're unable to draw a direct line between some of the things that you and I are talking about and revenue. They don't see how it affects the bottom line. And it seems to require a lot of energy without any kind of direct correlation to, you know, business impact. So I'm curious. You got any stories or examples of organization impact, how it's helped the bottom line by being more human? I've got some ideas, but I just want to hear yours. Yeah, just some anecdotal things, but and this, this has been over time. So when we're doing content marketing, for example, and let's take a podcast as an example, that's, that's an easy one. So I have several folks inside of our organization who speak a certain language. We all use the same language within the organization, whether it's industry or just what we believe in. And so I might interview somebody on the podcast about a particular subject. But throughout that podcast, we're using words about what we believe in the community or like our values and how we treat our people, how we treat our clients. And so those anecdotes bleed throughout the content marketing. And it's not me you know, in marketing saying that, it's other people as well. And so it doesn't matter if it's one person coming on the podcast or, or writing a post. I could bring in anybody and the same thing would come through. And I think that's the key to all this is that there's alignment throughout the organization. So regardless if it's one person or many, no one person necessarily stands out. You have a team of people who are using very common language and I think that's, for me, that, that's an anecdote. I think it's, it's worked for us and, and the clients appreciate that because they want to connect with us. So I don't know if that, right. that helps, but... I definitely do. I think that some two words come to mind, clarity and alignment. Mm-hmm. So when people have a problem that they need to solve or they have a passion that's unfulfilled because of an obstacle, they're essentially looking for a solution. They don't necessarily know who's going to provide that solution. But we're starting with a base that is emotional. People don't change simply because of facts and figures. People make change when the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change. So it's an emotional starting point. The transaction that ends up, you know, being coming across your desk, the contract that ends up getting signed is coming, you know, days, weeks or months after 
some kind of human-centric emotional catalyst, some pain within the organization or a goal that's unachieved and somebody's you know, upset about it, frustrated, and they, they want a change to take place. So that's the background about how problem the problem even got started and how somebody's even looking for a vendor. So for you to be able to help them find that not only, you know, when people go looking for a solution, they're not just looking for somebody that can deliver on the product or service they need. When somebody goes looking for an HR outsourcing solution, they're not just asking the question, do you do payroll? Are you able to handle my benefits? Are you somebody that's going to make sure that I stay compliant? What they're asking is, are you compatible with the organization that we have at an operational level and at a people level? Are, our, are you going to represent us in the world the way we'd represent ourselves if we brought your skills in-house? Are we compatible for one another? Because I think the point here, Brandon, is that for most people, they believe that there's an abundance of choices. They believe that whatever problem they have, there is probably a provider to solve that problem on every street corner in their neighborhood. So who are they going to work with? That's the question that the buyer is asking themselves. And when they can find an organization that seems to be so in tune with them operationally, they provide the right solution and culturally they're an an easy fit. It's kind of like a great victory for them. They end up sensing, oh yeah, this is exactly who I should get the problem solved with. And I think that's what you're leading into. I think that's the business case. It accelerates sales and it drastically impacts your marketing metrics. It greases the rails, so to speak, in bringing on new clients, helping them get clear, helping them see clearly and helping them be aligned with you helps them move into your sales funnel and through or faster. I couldn't agree more with what you just said. And the question I'd want to pose is, if customers and people out there who are seeking solutions believe that there's an abundance of choices, which there absolutely is, I think it's fit. That's the biggest issue. It's like, who is going to meet the needs and match my style and the what, you know, what organization out there sees the world the way I see? Because I want to work with that organization. But the challenge is most organizations aren't using messaging and using touch points that portray that. So I want to ask you the question, how can organizations do that? You know, is it just a simple, a is it a simple website landing page that does it? Is it, is it headlines and copy? Is it a videos? What, what is it? Well, figuring out what to say to somebody. I think that a lot of people, it's equivalent to being socially awkward. <laughs> a lot of sales and marketing is socially awkward. It's kind of like, you know, the things that we do in sales and marketing, we wouldn't do in any other facet of our personal lives, but we do them in this category in this industry. So in order to know what to say, that's kind of like an end point. We have to work our way back a bit. First of all, we need to know who are we going to be communicating to? And there's actually, this would be called in, in Blue Matter terms, this would be called ML5 step two, which is your market selection. It comes after step one, which is your brand identity. So as you talked about your purpose, your mission, your values, your key guideposts, your identifiers, the boundaries that set your culture. That's the who you are part. But within step two, there are five things that lead up to proper messaging. The first thing you need to do is you need to figure out who your ideal customer profile is going to be. So getting real practical here, this means identifying a industry vertical and a niche within that vertical. So if you're looking at, say, the hospitality industry, you then might say hotels and what type of hotels and what size they are and how many people are on payroll, etc. Once we know ICP, the ideal customer profile, we move into the second layer, the second step. 
Within that ICP, there is a buying group, especially in PEO and HRO sales. This is a complex sale. We've got multiple stakeholders that are going to directly impact the quality of your deal and the longevity of your relationship. We need to know who those stakeholders are. That's the buying group. That's step two. We move on to step three then and we say, now in that buying group, there's usually somebody or a couple of people who are charged with solving the problem the customer is experiencing. We'll call them the CEO of the problem or the buyer persona. We've got to profile who this person is. And the best person to profile is our existing customer. And the best way to profile our existing customer is to interview them. And when we go through the proper interview process, we extract from them their words to describe their situation. They tell you exactly what the scenario was. They use the language that is appealing to them to describe how they evaluated options and how they ultimately chose to work with somebody. They, they share and expose all the different obstacles that they had and what their journey looked like. When we know the buyer and we then can look at the buyer journey, what was the roadmap they took? It gets us to the final spot, which is where we can say, now, how do we communicate with them? How do we message? Well, when we know who we are and we know exactly how the customer communicates about their own problem, all we need to do is fuse those two things together. If we do this process, it allows us to demonstrate two critical things, and that's authority and empathy. We want to be able to say, we understand your circumstances because either we've gone through them ourselves or we've walked a lot of miles with a lot of people just like you, but we're also an authority. We've solved this problem more than once for many different people, and here's how. Messaging derives from knowing who you are and having intimately studied your customer prior to speaking to your prospect. It becomes natural. You know exactly what to say. And you don't have to try to, you know, go through some major messaging process to try to be clever. You'll be abundantly clear. And the person on the other side, especially whether it's on a website or it's a script for a video, what we want a person to experience is that they end up saying to themselves, I swear these people read my journal. They, I mean, when I look at their website, it's like looking into a mirror. And when I read the copy on their webpage, it's like they literally lifted what I said to my boss in our last meeting. They know and understand me because those are the three things we want to communicate, that we know you, we understand you, and we value you. And you demonstrate those three things by going through this process. And they'll conclude, wow, they really understand me and they value me and they're going to work with me in the way that I want to work. And I'll tell you, Ryan, there's an art to that. And I think a lot of organizations, they either don't have the resources or don't even know where to start. And nowadays, with so many touch points, you got our employees interacting with customers on email, live chat, on the phone, social media, etc. You know, the list goes on because there's an abundant ways we communicate. How do we, how do we bring that humanness through? Because I agree, like the best place you could be is when a customer says, wow, they did read my journal. They know exactly who I am and what I need. So I think, Brandon, this is a good spot for us just to edit. So let me ask you, give me another way of looking at that question. I'll, I'll give a good response to it. But you're saying practically how does that come through? Yeah. Like, how do we make sure that we do that across the board? Yeah, exactly. Because if we have our employees, whether it's the sales and marketing staff at the very first touch point from, you know, customer service folks in the organization that are interacting with customers, prospects, and they're using all sorts of channels, email, chat, phone, social media. And we want that humanness to come through. Like, how do we do that? 
Because I think a lot of organizations, they can't effectively right. do that. You have a bunch of different individuals who act very differently, but yet we want to bring the personality of the brand as well as the individual through. Yeah, I think yeah. I can answer that. Well, Brandon, I think the best way to answer that would be to look at Jim Collins and Good to Great. Jim Collins said that level five leaders are pretty much fanatical about doing whatever it takes to make the company great. And one of these key attributes of level five leaders is that they first ask the question, you know, who should be on the bus? So they get the right people on the bus. They get the wrong people off the bus. They get the right people into the right seats. And then using those people, they ask the question, where should we go? Who should we be? And what should we do? Now, I understand everybody listening right now has got an established team, an established organization. So the first step is to do your brand identity and then reveal that to all the people on your team. And by going through a brand identity exercise, uh, bringing the senior leadership on it, and then implementing that with the rest of the team, I mean, I'm giving you the shorthand answer here. It helps vet out who has culturally aligned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody is different. We're all a mosaic, right? We all have, we're all different little pieces in a stained glass window, all making one coherent picture. But those distinctions should not be across the board. There should be a core set of values, possibly five, that every single person demonstrates in spades within your organization. And if you've got an odd duck and odd fits, people that do not line up with those in a strong way, then it's impossible for you to be able to be clear when you are in the operational level of your company where your customers are dealing with you or in the channels that you're talking about, social and email and content and podcasting. So what you're talking about is communication and the people that are doing the communication have to have already been on the bus because they belonged there. If you have people who don't fit your organization culturally and you're trying to sell and differentiate by key cultural distinctions, you'll never be able to fix that somehow later in communications. Or what you're going to do is you're going to put two or three people on the microphone. You're going to put two or three people in front of social media. And they're going to say that these are the only people that can represent us mm -hmm. to the market. And you're going to train the customer to think that that's who they're going to be dealing with. It's going to be those kinds of people, the ones that I'm interacting with, the feeling I'm getting. That's what I'm going to get everywhere else with this organization. They're going to get into the sales funnel. They're going to start interacting with other people and they're going to figure out, nah, this doesn't line up this doesn't match. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. Unmet expectations and they're going to bail and you may never even know why. So it starts with the people. And once you have those people, those folks, they're going to be the kind of people that do really well with your kind of customer. Because you're not going to just go after any kind of customer. You're going to ask the question selectively. When we know who we are and we've got the people who are like us on the bus, who do we do business with well? Who do we most want to work with? There's an abundance of opportunity, unlimited opportunity. So who do we want to work with? And when we go through that profiling process, Brandon, we can then create a kind of model for how we communicate. Then we can all say, hey, everybody, when we're addressing anybody anywhere, this is how we talk. This is how we communicate. And when that happens, it requires very little policing. The policing shows up when you've got people who are not lined up with your brand going after customers who are not lined up with your brand. Then suddenly, it's like we have to create all sorts of rules and guidelines and restrictions. But when you got the right people on the bus who are going after the right customer, the relationship happens much more naturally and EQ is a whole lot higher. 
I think that's the way that you broadly solve that yeah, problem. Yeah, and I, I agree with the fact that you don't need to police it. In fact, I don't think you need to police it at all. You just get rid of the people that aren't aligned. I think your mission, your values, your purpose, those are all your philosophy in the way you see the world. And you basically have a people align with that and just <laughs> pray and hope that they are using that messaging with clients, customers out in the market. I mean, one thing I wanted to bring up, Ryan, too, is the fact that our ability to develop personal brands that align well with the organization's brand, that because of social media and all these other channels now, I encourage people inside of my organization to do that because talk about bringing human to the business. I mean, most people 10 years ago were interacting with a brand because that was all that we could do. But now there's there's an abundant mm-hmm. ways that we can connect with people working inside the brand. And if we're all aligned, going back to aligning people with vision and purpose and all that, it's a perfect scenario. You're talking about an HRO, a PEO that wants to bring humanness to their brand. This is the way to do it. Have people develop their personal brands that align really well with the purpose of the organization. And it sounds to me like that probably comes yep. from the top down. That comes from permission. That comes from the senior leader in the organization saying, listen, you're here because you're one of us. Now we want you to be uniquely yourself, but remembering that as you, you know, as like mama used to say, you know, you've always got to set a good first impression. So remember who you are and be who you truly are, but then also make sure that you remember who you're communicating to. Who are you the host of? Who are you? Who's your company? And so if you can create your LinkedIn profile, yeah, it should be uniquely you and also represent the brand. You don't need to police it. You give people that permission and then you see where they go with it. But I also think that beyond policing actually comes with collaboration. So, hey, everybody, we're all aligned on who we are and we're all aligned on who we're trying to reach. What are some ways we can work together to be able to access these channels and kind of help one another out? How can we help each other be successful in these places? That comes from collaboration, from conversation, from being willing to work together. So we've got to have permission. And then we've got to have a team that's all kind of communicating with one another about how they're going to be successful. I think the other thing that you're bringing up here in terms of, you know, depending on the size of the organization, it can be intimidating for director of revenue or of marketing, especially in a highly regulated industry. I don't think that what you and I are saying is that let people say whatever they want to say, wherever (laughs) they're going to say it. If somebody represents, somebody represents, you know, we may be different on political, on the political spectrum. We might be different on all sorts of things that are happening within society. We might have different, you know, values and backgrounds, things like that. That's all fine. But when you are representing your public persona and you do have the name of your company across your chest and your own name across your back, then in that environment, you're representing both. And I think it's important that there are some boundaries that are spelled out. Like, hey, when you're on with us, you know, these are, you can use your Facebook to do what you're going to do. But if you're going to be using Twitter for business or LinkedIn for business, when you're working with us, these are some things that, you know, we would appreciate that you avoid because it's a reflection on all of us when you're doing yeah, what you're doing. Fair to say. I want to come back to asking you, uh, you know, kind of another question. When you come up to the channels, one of the channels is in sales correspondence. How do you and your team work together to make sure that everything that's being said in your content marketing really lines up from a brand perspective with everything that the sales team is saying in the sales conversation? Because sales tend to be willing to be more flexible in what they say and how they represent themselves in order to get somebody, you know, through the objections and into the, you know, further down into the sales process. And that sometimes means that we have 
people that aren't quite a fit moving yep. into the sales funnel. So what are some of the ways that you keep the humanness of the brand consistent across both the sales and the yeah, marketing Yeah, this is probably no different than what you do for some of your clients. So first, you know, as a director of marketing, what I did as a, an initial phase was develop a brand guide, if you will. So it had language in there about our services and in the technical words that we wanted to use. We would develop temp sales templates and emails, correspondence that they can use in the prospecting. So like top of the funnel all the way to the middle of the funnel. And we would, you know, train our people over and over and over again about how to do like kind of that initial meeting, that initial overview on our services. And of course, there's a wiggle room to bring their personality through. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. So we have templates, we have guides and standards, but otherwise, you know, it's, it's really about that hiring process. You're bringing in the right people that you know align with your brand and then they can inject their personality in it. We've never had a problem with somebody just going off the rails completely. So I'd say, yeah, just developing those standards and giving them tools and resources that they can use in correspondence. It's been beautiful. We've never had a problem. Yeah. It sounds to me like what you're doing is you're, you're making it easier for people yep. to stay on point by you know handing them things that are pre-created. And so there's some creative ways that can we can do this, right? We can do this in the sales CRM where we're creating templates, especially if you're using something like HubSpot CRM or you know other tools that are out there, you're able to kind of pre-create some of those communications and then use them. Obviously you need to have the right person on the bus or when it gets to the phone call or you know where the rubber really meets the road. Uh, they don't line up with everything else that's been said by the brand and whatever has been pre-written for them. Uh, that's a problem. But assuming that that's covered, then you're able to help people stay very consistent in their communication. I think we can narrow this whole conversation down, Brandon, as we think about humanizing the brand. I think it all kind of comes down to this. If you're a human resources company, regardless of you know what mode or model you fit into, if you're a human resources company, then you need to be convincing that you understand people, that you understand human nature, and that all the issues that you deal with need to be dealt with tactfully with people. I mean, there are a lot of industries that could probably get away with not necessarily having a really strong kind of human touch, but not this one. And so if you don't have a clear handle on this, then you're going to be sending a signal to people that says, yeah, we're a human resources company, but you know, we're not that good at what we do. And we can have the fancy looking website and we can have all the, the digital ad spend we can, you, we can muster. But if we don't truly understand our prospects pain and we don't really understand like a good physician, how to solve that pain in a tactful way. I mean, doctors have to deliver good news and bad news, but the good ones, they always do a great job of making sure that they put themselves in the shoes of the people who have to hear what they have to say. They don't become hardened or jaded. They're empathetic, but they're also authoritative. If you're going to be a human resources company that's successful in today's age, and you're going to compete with the big disruptors that are moving into the space who are using this very kind of strategy to win massive market share, then you're going to have to make yeah, a transition. That's well said, Ryan. I, I don't really have anything to add there because you think you covered, covered exactly what I would think. I want to know what action can people actually take to bring human to their brand. Right. I think when you're listening to any kind of show, the, you know, you've, we're sitting here, we're talking and we're making everything yep. sound stupid, simple, right? Like, yeah, just go do this thing. And that's not really how life works. Execution is hard. Strategy is easy. 
I think one of the solutions that we can provide, uh, Blue Matter has a great course. It's called the Market Leader Fundamentals, and it highlights the kind of chronological process that an organization goes through to really humanize their brand on their way to market leadership. So what we're going to do is we're going to make it available to you. And uh, wherever you're listening to the show, in the show notes, the description, we'll go ahead and post a link with a promo code that allow you to get access to that course. Normally a few hundred bucks, we'll make it available to anybody who's listening to this podcast for free for a limited time, just for the month of January and February. So you want to make sure that you um, that you get access to it right now. I think that's definitely you know an, an action that people can take to really dive in a bit deeper and that's bring great. their team it, along. Before we leave though, Ryan, I want to pose a question to the audience. What are you doing to bring human to your brand? I think we should start a dialogue. I think we can learn a lot. We, we've obviously been talking quite a bit, Ryan, but I want to hear from other people. So whether you're on Twitter or LinkedIn, answer that question. What are you doing to bring human to your brand? And let's discuss it. I think it's a great call to action, Brandon. And with that, we'll go ahead and close out today's show. And we'll be seeing all of you again here next time on the HRO Growth Show. 